Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Now, I, I kind of want to keep talking like that, but I don't think I can do it as well as he can, right? Staying in rhythm like that. Um, I'm not good at spoken words. I'm not even going to try. Uh, welcome to Thrive Church this morning. Great to have you guys with us on a rainy, rainy, rainy Sunday. Um, how many of you guys enjoyed some naps yesterday and you got ready for church today? Like, some of y'all slept so much yesterday, you're like, I ain't sleeping today. I ain't got nothing. I mean, I've took naps all weekend. It's good to have you with us. If you're a first-time guest, I just want to welcome you. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor, and you should have received a connection card. And you came in, a little packet, um, and you can put that card right in the blue basket by the TV over there. We'd love to stay in touch with you. We promise not to visit your home. Because <laughs> some people are like, no, nah, I ain't turning nothing in because they'll, they'll visit my home. And you can unsubscribe from any emails that we send because we love you that much. Um, if you're new with us over the past month or so and you're like, um, we have a lot of new faces, we're having 101 tonight. Um, we have a growth track. And we will make it easy for people to get connected at Thrive Church. Um, you can be as connected as you want to be at Thrive. That's, that's our saying. So 101 tonight is held in our cafe. Um, it's going to be a great time for me to share my story with you. Um, there'll be things that you did not know about me. You'll find out. Um, our church's story and then uh, kind of our mission and vision and values. And that's our 101. We have 101 through 401. And so look forward to seeing you guys at 6 o'clock tonight right over there. And again, a big thanks to the New Divide. Andy, you guys, uh, thank you so much for your hearts. Um, what you guys have done today in leading us in worship. And, and I say that I toured and played in the Christian music industry for about five years. And I'm going to tell you something. It's a very dark industry. Dark. Dark. Drugs, alcohol, fornication. The Christian music industry is dark. You'd be surprised. And so it's great to have men of God that love the Lord and are not here to perform, but to proclaim God's love and God's word. So I just want to thank you guys so much, man. Um, Well, today we're in part four of five of the series from this day forward. It's for singles and married couples. Ain't none of y'all, you know, exempt from this this teaching. And so uh, we've been dealing over the last several weeks with with commitments that will change your marriage. And so if you will, or as a single, change your life, turn to Hebrews 13.4. We're going to look at Hebrews 13.4. And as you're turning your copy of God's Word to Hebrews 13, uh, verse 4, the first week was our first principle, which was seek God. If you want a a strong relationship, whether you're going into one or whether you've come out of one or whether you're in one, seek God is the first one. And I told you that you've got to seek the one while you prepare for the two if you're single, right? Seek the one while you prepare for the two. The one is God. If you're married, you've got to seek the one with your number two. See, the person that you are with is not your one. I've got to find the one. They're the two. The second week, I told you, you got to fight fair. Remember that? And healthy people and healthy couples fight for resolution. They don't fight for victory. If you're fighting for victory in your relationship, you're always going to end up on the losing end. And then last week, we talked about having fun. Um, The men really enjoyed that message, didn't you? I got feedback from some wives in here that they were thankful. They said, I think all they heard was point three. Something about some belly buttons. That's all I got to say. And then have fun was that principle. And if you don't have fun in your marriage, eventually you won't have a marriage. 
And those were those principles. This morning, I want to speak to you specifically about the fourth principle, which is stay pure. Stay pure. How many of you are married in here? Will you raise your hand? Okay, good. Put your hands down. How many of you are single in here? Raise your hand. All right, scan, scan, scan. Look around, look around. If, if, you, if, you, if you make a connection at Thrive Church, then you need to name your first child Kevin or Kevinette. All right? Is there anyone in here planning on having adultery? No, it's seriously. Raise your hand if you're planning. Like you're just ready. Like, man, you got this five-year plan that you're going to totally just cheat. Is anybody here planning to get addicted to pornography? Like, like you're making plans. Like, you're like, man, I, I can't wait. No. Is there anybody in here planning to have an emotional affair on their spouse? No hands raised. But why is it that 50% of marriages end because of those things? Nobody plans to do it, but it, it just it happens. And one day you're sitting there wondering, how did we get to this point? And it's because one, two, three, four, or five of these principles have been, have been violated. And you can even take these principles I'm sharing with you as a single or a married couple, and if you listen to these, marriage, these messages and take these notes and go through them, you can bring your percentage down to 1% that you may get divorced. That's great, isn't it? Because if you're not doing any of these things, there's a 50% chance you're not going to make it. That's what, that's what statistics show us. And one of the key areas is staying pure. There's a story of, of a really big tree that was in a park. And the tree even had a memorial to it. And everybody loved the big tree. It had been there for centuries. And after a storm one day, the tree actually, they found it over and, and broken. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, that tree is down. And they went and began to examine the tree. And when they examined the tree, it wasn't the wind or the storm that took it down. They found out that tiny insects had been eaten at its core for years. And it, was, it, it actually uh, corrupted from the inside out. See, that's a picture of many of us. None of us plan to have this big fall. None of us plan to do this. But when our hearts are, are beginning to be eaten by things that are impure, that leads us down that path. And I want you to look at Hebrews 13:4 and just realize today's message. We laughed a lot last week. Husbands were like, yeah. This week, you're going to be saying more oh me's than amens um, in church today. Just know that. So love me before I even get into this thing. The Bible says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept, help me out, pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. And the key is this, the key is purity in marriage and purity before marriage equals a God-honoring marriage. Let's pray. Father, today um, we come to you humbly, Lord asking for your help, for your grace. None of us in here have graduated. Um, we're not beyond this stuff. And God, if we're in here polishing our halos, Lord, please, please wake us up today, Lord, for that's where it all starts, Lord. For pride cometh before the fall. So God, re remove any barriers mentally, remove any distractions, remove anything that's keeping us from hearing your word today and hearing the truth, Lord. And God, we pray and we cry out to you, our Lord and our God, that you would keep our hearts pure and help us along the way, Father. In the name of Jesus that we pray, and everyone help me by saying amen. 90% of Americans, when they were polled, said that adultery was wrong. But one of the funny things is the University of California did a study. And from 1998 to 2008, the number of, of adulteries doubled in America. 
So how is it that 90% believe that's wrong to do, but then it doubles? It's because we're seeing in our generation impurity in marriage increasing. It's just a fact of life that we're seeing. And, and some of the reasons I believe, and these may be in your notes here, is that the first reason is that there's more temptations than in the past. Just be real. You have a better chance to get in trouble now, right? It's easier to find that old flame on Facebook that you knew in high school, and it was really messy then, but somehow you think it's going to be better now, and you start Facebooking them. You start connecting with them. You want to meet up and have a lunch with them. It's easier. It's easier now to have access to things that can destroy our life. Back in the day, you had to, to go buy a magazine or find something. Now you can just pull your phone up, right? Parents, you know this with your kids. They can just pull their phone up and they can find anything they want to find on their phone. Well, we have more of a chance to get in trouble now in our generation, so there's more temptations in the past that have increased impurity in marriage. There's entire websites devoted to people having affairs. Lord, help us in this country. You can even go on Craigslist. Now, I've not done this. I don't like Craigslist. I abhor it. One time we tried to sell a drum set on Craigslist. I'm not doing it. Y'all go on there. It's just aggravating to me. You can find affairs on Craigslist. That's how our society operates today. It's much easier to, to fall into temptation. It's much easier to fall into things that could hurt us. The, the second reason of why impurity is increasing, check this out. People are getting married later. I'm not saying that's bad, so don't, don't, don't judge me. I got married later, right? Don't look at me with those eyes. I'll pray for you. But people get married later. You have more baggage you bring into a relationship. The, the more, and some of you guys know this. It's like, hey, I'll be honest. The more partners you have, the more baggage you bring. Because in each relationship, you, you know, you got a little bit from this guy and you got hurt and he did this or she did this. And, you, and then by the time you get to your 10th one, they're getting punished for everything they did to you. I don't want to talk about it. No. Well, why? No. And it's because you got hurt 10 relationships ago. And so when you have more partners, there's a greater chance that, that you are going to bring more baggage. And let me say this too. And this is in dating. You can disagree or agree. And you've been wrong before. All right? So just, just listen. I'm going to say this with, with grace. If you practice breaking up your whole life, it makes it much easier to leave when you get into marriage. If you have 10 or 15 dating partners that you just broke up, broke up, I love you, baby. Yeah, you're the only one. Uh, actually, it's number 12. You know, they've dated 12. You know, and, 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 and you find it easier to break up the more that you date and break up. And so when you get into a marriage, it's just much easier to give up on that. And that's something that our students need to hear and hear. If you're in middle school, high school, or, or college, you need to listen to that. Because I can tell you, uh, my dad would say this to me. He says, I've been 34, you've not been 64. Is that you've got to make sure that you protect yourself as you're going through these days that you don't carry baggage into a relationship. Do you know the number one reason? And, and hold up, before I can get to that, I, it's not even my notes. But let me just say this. Some of you are sitting here thinking, He's preaching law. He's preaching what not to do. I'm not coming to this church. God will let me do what I want to do. Okay, tell me how that works out for you, okay? But do you know that 80% of, of people who live together before marriage don't make it? 
So you may not believe the Bible. You may think I'm an idiot. Somebody drug you to church today. And you're like, I don't want to be here today. This is stupid. I just want to go home and watch some TV. But take this one thing. You will never outlive the statistics. You're going to die one day. Everybody's died, right? So make sure today as you listen to this, you understand that I'm here to help you. I love you. This is not because I'm, I'm upset with you. God's not upset with you. This is to prepare you and to help you. The number one reason dating couples that live together break up is because they cheat. That's what you've been practicing, though. That, that's that's the, the logic you've been using. And so if you're married, listen, if you're, if you're not married, you cannot build a life of purity on the foundation of sin. You and, and your partner need to get together and repent and say, God, we want to do it your way and the way that you're doing it. Do you know that during this series, I've had several couples say, we're getting married. Matter of fact, we need to this week. Amen. We want to do it like God wants it. We want a God-honoring marriage. And because they, as you're going through this, God is working on hearts today. If you want a pure marriage tomorrow, live a pure life today. And let me say, if you've blown it, there's something called grace. This day can be a new day for you if you want it to be. This day can be a day where you start fresh, you receive the forgiveness, the grace of God, and you get to move forward in newness and live a life that you never dreamed possible. I had um, pretty much, after I gave my life to Christ at 19, I had one person, and that was my wife. Neither one of us wanted to go into a date and to try out to see what's up. And I think sometimes, I'm not saying that, that you, you know, you need to, to, to be careful jumping into something way too quick. Because you don't know that person yet. Let's say that, singles. I met them six, you know, three weeks ago, and we're getting married next week. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, God told go go ahead. But you don't know that person. And over the next two years, they're going to do some stuff that you can come to me and say, I didn't, I had no clue. I didn't know they'd get angry and throw the TV across the room because all you did was hang out in the restaurant. <laughs> They'll get arrested there. I had no idea that, that, that they said they just drank a beer. They drink 15 to 20 a night and get drunk and cuss me out. I had no clue. Uh, you know, so you need to understand, and I believe you need to have a pure, long engagement. And then you'll know that person. My wife knew my good, my bad, and my ugly. She knew what to say. I knew what to expect from her. Now, she's perfect. So I knew I could expect perfectness. This is being recorded today. I love my marriage. But I knew what to expect from her when we got married. There's no surprises with that. And so if you're single in here today, you can start new today. You can start fresh. And some of you parents need to have talks with your children and share this with them. So why is impurity increasing in marriage? It's because engagements are lasting longer. There's more temptations. And then number three is a growing sense of entitlement. We as Americans, and this is uh, something that as as I work with other cultures, we have this demonic sense of entitlement. I want it and it's mine and I want it now. Whereas other cultures... They know how to put off and, and, and say, we can wait for that. We'll be right with this. But Americans, I'm telling you something. It's something we all deal with in here. That we have a growing sense of entitlement. I want it and I want it now. And that's bringing impurity into marriage. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes about two types of purity. Inward purity and outward purity. And so look in your copy of God's Word at Ephesians 5.3. I'm going to talk to you about outward purity. Outward purity. 
And the Bible says in Ephesians 5.3, but among you, he was speaking to the Ephesians, but they were Christians, so you today would be who? Me and you, right? Poke your neighbor in the eye and say, that's you. No, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't poke him in the eye. I'm just joking. Just tell them that's, that's you. But among you, there must not even be a hint, say hint, of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Now, let me help you for a second. Some of you are like, you're like, dude, help me out here. I am, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm, I need the air. This is killing me. A hint is not some dust got in my cup of water. We're going to make mistakes, right? No, nobody's perfect in here. A hint is not um, my mashed potatoes touched my corn. A hint is I have let cyanide into my water. It's poison and it will kill me. That's what a hint is. A, a, a hint for a better illustration, because some of you are still trying to get a, a better illustration, is a cat, a big, hairy, devilish cat. You know, I don't like cats. We had one that was the devil. He was a demon. We cast him out to our friend's house. <laughs> we did. We sure did. We had to move and like we get... It's a dirty, hairy, mean, devil-eared cat. See, Satan's compared to a roaring lion, right? That cat lays in your mashed potatoes and wallows in it. That's a hint. Let me ask you a question in here. <laughs> if you are married and you commit adultery, is that a hint? Yes, you guys are doing good. If you look at pornography, is that a hint? Okay, you guys are doing great. All the women, all the men, like, I ain't talking nothing to this guy. I, that's why we're going to get to the women. You just, you just wait, man. I mean, I, you, you guys will, like, become, you become Pentecostals. You will stand up and begin to clap and shout and, like, run the aisles, I'm telling you. Just give me a second. If you're lusting after someone, is that a hint? Women. If you dressed provocatively so someone would be drawn to your body, is that a hint? Women, if you're reading Fifty Shades of Grey, is that a hint? Men, let me hear you. That's a hint. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, 8, keep to a path far from her. Now, now let me just say, this can go for men and women both. Like the, Solomon was trying to give wisdom to young men in 5, 6, and 7 about getting with the wrong lady. And so he gives some examples. If you're a young man, read, read and memorize Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. But he says this, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. It's outward purity. What he's saying is this. Um, I was told, like, when I, you know, went to these youth conferences, if you get dust in your water, it's contaminated, it's impure, and ah. And so I was just like, I was scared to do anything. I walked around with my eyes closed. I was scared. I was at the altar every week. It's like, you know, I just could. It, it's not as much like dust in your water as it is staying away from the guardrails. Our college and career group on Thursdays have been going through this guardrail type of mentality. And you know when you're driving, you have lines there for a reason, don't you? Are those lines there to hurt you? Are they to keep you boxed in and you can't do what you want to do? No. Why are they there? To keep you safe. Because if you 
hit the guardrail, there's a good chance you're in big danger. If you hit the guardrail, you're in big and, and, and the more you stay in the lines is the more you stay away from the edge because the edge is dangerous. Do not go near her house. Stay far from her or for some of y'all, it's him. Here's what 1 Corinthians 6, 18, 19, and 20 say. Flee from sexual immorality. And now look at this in verse 19. I love this. You are not your own. You were bought with a price or at a price. As the song sang earlier, therefore honor God with your body. Flee from sexual immorality. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> and I just kept running. That's what we need to do when we're faced with those things. Like Joseph did. He gave his coat up that he had. He always lost his coat. He gave it up because this lady was approaching him. He said, no, I cannot do that to my God. And took off running and left the coat there. Now, if you're not a Christian in here, hopefully by the end of this worship experience, you will be. And you'll give your life to Christ. But if you're not, you're saying, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. I, I own my body and I'll do what I want to. If you're not a believer, that's true. Do what you want to, how you want to. But if you name the name of Christ in here and you've surrendered to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, listen to me very carefully because it's the gospel. And if you don't believe this, then you're not a believer. You're not a Christian. Let's just, let's just lay it out there. You are not your own. Jesus, by way of the cross, bought you with a price by his blood. And once you surrender to Jesus in that, that, that state, in that moment, I'm not saying you're not going to mess up. Don't hear me here. I'm not preaching perfection, but I'm preaching surrender daily. That when you do trip and fall, when you do mess up, when you do hit the guardrail, you're like, Lord, I, I am not my own. I, I am yours. And, and, and I surrender to you, and I want to honor you with everything that I am. Friends, I'm going to tell you, this pastor is not perfect. Talk to my wife. Interview her. <laughs> She'll tell you everything that I'm not perfect at. But I really want to honor God. I have a heart that, that God, with everything I am within me, I pray that I could honor you. That, that's my prayer every day. See, Jesus said in the Gospels, in the, the red letters, if your hand causes you to sin, do what, church? Cut it off. When I first read that, I didn't know Jesus. I just gave my life to him. I was brand new to this whole Christian thing. I called my friend. I was like, dude, what have I got myself into? The preacher told me, read the red words of Jesus and just obey them. If you just obey the red words of Jesus, you'll do great. And I was like, all right, man, what do I need to do here? I'm going to be, you know, a, a one-armed cyclops before it's all over. It's like talking about plucking your eyes out. And I was like, I, I, I don't, he said, oh, he said, bro, time out. Let me tell you what Jesus was saying. It was an overstatement. It's like you've told your children, I know you have. If you do it again, I'm going to rip your head off. You're not going to rip their heads off. Right? Some are like, I would never. Yeah, you do say that. You know, we got cameras. We've seen it. <laughs> Matter of fact, you may end up on a video here one day. But, but what Jesus was saying, he was overstating. He was saying, deal severely with sin. Deal severely with it. Don't, don't let that hint take over in your life. And here's a few ways to deal with this in your life. And these are things that, that we work at as a staff. And, and that's volunteer and that's also paid staff here. We have staff that don't get paid a dollar and they do a lot. Some of the things is this. Don't be alone with the opposite sex. No lunches and coffee dates. Now, if you have to do business, do business. Don't talk about how your relationship's not going well. 
had a guy to live, a pastor, and he's like, yeah, there's a girl in my church, and, and, and she's, she's like, he's around the same age, and she's going through divorce, and she just, you know, she's been calling every day, and we've been talking about it. I said, bro, she's been doing what? I said, no, 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 no. You've got some godly women in your church she needs to talk to. She only talk to you. Because she sees you on stage, but she don't see your dirty underwear on the floor. And she thinks, she thinks you're perfect. That's why I don't counsel women. And if you want to find a church that does that, wow, go. Have fun. We have women that do that. I will not be alone in that type of, any compromising environment. Do I have to work with women in our church? Yes, our worship leader is a woman, if you've not noticed, Daisy. But I'm not taking her off to McDonald's and hanging out. I'm not, you know, uh, you know texting sweet nothings. I'm not telling her how my relationship is, right? As a matter of fact, I love the fact that Danny, as soon as Danny gets off work, you know what Danny does? Well, he, he really loves her. That's why he does it mainly. He's here at the church with her. Pastor Keith and myself, we don't do that stuff. We don't go along. You know, and you say, that's stupid. That's, that's law. That's dumb. Tell me how it works out for you. Billy Graham started this principle. He would not, and Billy Graham, was, he would not even get in an elevator along with a lady. That's why he's had one of the most successful, sustainable ministries in all of history. Because he kept guardrails up, outward purity. The second thing is accountability. Have accountability. And I can't be everybody's accountability partner. It's just, just newsflash. That's why we have small groups and we have men's gatherings. We have people in here that we can hook you up with. But accountability, I have two accountability partners. And those guys can ask me any questions they want to. They know my weaknesses. They know what I'm bad at. And they can kick my butt. Now, the reason I have two accountability partners is men. Because it takes two men to kick my butt, not one. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking about expanding it to three or four. But have somebody who can ask you the tough questions that can help you and not to condemn you, but to say, I love you and I know what's inside of you. I know who you are. I'm there to help you. I mean, I had a pastor one time call me. This is one of the, I'm going to tell you what. He said, man, I just need to talk to you. I said, hey, what's going on, man? And got past all the church veneer. How's your numbers doing? How's the offerings doing? Uh, all that stuff. And he said, man, I've, um, I've been drinking that night. I've been smoking at night. Pastor. He said, I'm so stressed out. I feel like people hate me at the church. I feel like I can't do anything right. He said, and it's just getting to me. He said, I've just been doing a lot of things. I shouldn't, I, I, I need you to help me. Now, I didn't call up his overseer. I'm like, remove him right now. Get him out of there. I didn't do that. I said, man, I love you. And you're a very gifted man of God. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to kick your butt from time to time. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help. When, when you feel that stress coming on you and you're like, oh, I said, call me. And right now, matter of fact, we're going to make a game plan to deal with that stress. And that's beautiful when you have somebody who's there to help you and loves you enough to tell you that you're not perfect. Right? That can help you with that. That's one of the great successes of AA and NA. Right? Sponsors. Somebody who's, who's going to call you, stay in touch with you, personally help you. And then also, too, you can lock down your computer and your phone, especially men in here. My wife has access to everything anytime she wants it. Here you go. <laughs> There's even triplexchurch.com. Um, Seriously, these guys are devoted to destroying pornography in the church. And great, Judd Nelson and those guys are, Judd Wilhite are doing a great job of that. I think Nelson's a singer somewhere. But Judd Wilhite, where that came from, they're devoted to that. And they can give you, they can give you an app that every time you visit a website, it sends it to somebody. 
And you, you, land, you name those people out who you want it to send to. Accountability is so important. And some of you are like, are you that weak, really? No, not every day, I'm not. But nobody plans to do it, do they? Nobody ever wakes up and says, I'm going to kill somebody today. I'm going to go commit a drug. It happens one small compromise at a time. So the second type of purity is this. It's inward purity of the heart. You have outward purity, set boundaries, right? Set some boundaries in your life. But inward purity is much different. This is the heart. This is when you want God to work in your heart. Look at Psalm 119, 9 through 11. It says this, my favorite verses of Scripture. Learned it in my first year of following Christ. How can a young man keep his way pure? That's a good question for America today, isn't it? How in God's green earth can a young man keep his way pure? Watch, there's an answer. By living according to your word, God. And then David goes on to say, I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commandments. And then verse 11, you should all memorize. Excuse me. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's the heart being transformed. It's your wanter wanting different things. See, it's funny how God works. When God works on your heart, it's not that I can't or I can do it. It's that I don't want to do it. That's what, that's what following Jesus is. It's not this list of rules. You must obey the Ten Commandments. And if you don't, we will strike judgment on you. And you cannot be a member of this church for not obeying the Ten Commandments. Jesus, those guys that were saying that, Jesus, he literally Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked them all in the head with his words. He didn't do it physically. It's not in the Bible. If you ever read the Bible, read it. You will find some stuff just as interesting. Those guys were like, we can obey all the outward behavior laws of purity. He says, oh, really? What about your heart? And so when Jesus came, he didn't come to bring a list of rules. He came to change our hearts. And that's the beautiful thing. It's that the Lord begins to transform our heart on a process, and we want the things uh, that God wants. It's our hearts being transformed. Matthew 5, 28 says this. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his or her heart. He wasn't doing that to condemn you. You're like, oh, God, I'm not coming to church anymore. I'm a failure. Uh, Exactly. You, in your own strength, in your own ability, can never attain this. There's no way you could ever do the red words of Jesus by trying real hard. What he was saying is this, the Holy Spirit, by God's power, can transform your heart. And that's the beauty of following Jesus Christ, is that daily, as you get close to him, and you love on him, and you read his word, he transforms you from the inside out. You're like, my behavior is changing. Yeah, because he's changing your heart. But many of you are trying to change your behavior first. And you're frustrated because you can't measure up. Here's a secret for you. Ready? You're never going to be able to measure up. You're never going to be able to measure up. And listen to this here. Outward and inward purity. You set boundaries. Say amen. And then you set your heart to seek the Lord. Listen, you cannot set boundaries. I'm going to do right. I'm going to get accountability. Ah, And then not seek God. Because eventually, it's going to get real tiring trying to keep up. You can't set your heart to seek the Lord and not set boundaries. 
I'm just going to love God. I'm on fire. I went to this church service, and we were all at the altar, and I'm just, a, I'm a different person for about three weeks. You've got to set boundaries with that. And when you seek the Lord with all your heart and you set boundaries, you will see purity able to be obtained. And here's three responses to impurity I'm going to close with today. Three responses. When we sin and fall into impurity, there are three responses. And Andy, if you'll come. The first one's defensiveness, right? It's being defensive. We were only friends. It's my computer. It's my life. You leave me alone. When you're defensive, you know what it shows you? Listen, there's rebellion. There's rebellion when you're defensive. It's my life. I'll do what I want. And when we are impure, we respond that way, don't we? I know I have. You get your hand caught in the cookie jar. When, you're, when you catch your kids doing something, I won't doing that. I saw you. Defensive. The second is remorse. Second is remorse. When you are caught in impurity or respond to it. And this is not good. And, and hopefully for the first time ever in church, you're going to hear this. You ready? For the first time ever, you're going to hear remorse is not good. Remorse is, I feel bad. I'm so unworthy. I'm so rotten. I'm so no good. God doesn't want to hear that from you. That's not honoring to God. Oh, I blew it this week. I'm worthless. That's pity. And that's remorse. And so many times we live in remorse. But you know where God wants us at? It's called the state of repentance. The state of repentance. You know what repentance is? It's turning from sin and turning to God. And friends, you can't run to God without running from your sin. It's saying, I turn from this. God, I want your help. I want your grace, and I'm going to do that today. That's what that is. And what I want to do is show you a video um, of a young man in our church that dealt with pornography and dealt with sin and, and dealt with that. One second, and, and we're going to show that video in just a second. Isaiah's mom. Um, Isaiah's mom or dad. Isaiah. Okay. Isaiah's mom or dad. All right. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. But there's three responses. You can watch a video today, okay? You can watch a video today that's going to show you here what purity is. Watch this video. My name is Jordan, and uh, I just wanted to share testimony with you all about uh, staying pure. Um, since the age of 13, I dealt with a pornography addiction, and um, it was something... At the time, it didn't bother me. I thought it was just, you know, being normal. And um, about a year and a half ago, I met this couple that totally messed me up. Um, the guy shared with his significant other and said, I'm dealing with this pornography issue. And instead of, re you know, replying with grace, she said, well, am I not good enough? And all this stuff that was really tearing her up. When uh, there was another psychological issue going on, um, but 
what messed me up the most is when she was talking to me, she said, I don't want somebody who is dealing with this currently. I want somebody who has dealt with it and has killed it. And that really, you know, it brought a fire into my heart and it helped me say, I got to kill this because, I, you know, I want to be able to treat my wife with the same respect. Um, so three things that kept me and helped me to kill this were um, acknowledging that I had an issue, acknowledging that um, I had an addiction and knowing that I had to fix it. Uh, two was confess. I found a friend to uh, confide in and find um, help with. And um, it, it was it was good. Pastor Kevin was a very good uh, mentor during that season. Um, number three was uh, finding out the triggers. Uh, the triggers of what was causing me to want to go to this. Mine was loneliness, and uh, psychologically, I couldn't understand why loneliness pay, played a big, you know, role in this. But um, I'm glad I found it. Uh, I've been free for six months now, and uh, since the age of 13, looking back, it's like, wow, I couldn't go one full month without it, and now going six months is just. Amazing. I feel so much more free than I've ever felt before, and um, it's really helping me prepare for my wife. It's helping me uh, become a better man for her spiritually and emotionally. Um, I know I can stand strong beside her, and I can say, look, I fought this, and I overcame it, and um, I love you. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7:10 that godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. If you will, just bow your head and close your eyes and here today.